Tom Bernard Show with Mike Molina, Andy Brant Bernard, Mike Edlovich, Mitch Fatal. 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 You just went fatal, though. I, I have to remember how to say it. Get, fatal yeah. does sound like Hebrew. Is it Hebrew? No, it's actually made up. Oh. <laughs> it's <laughs> actually made, made up. Awesome. Fatal. Fatal. Kind of sounds Syrian. Well, dreidel. Fatal. Is that because of dreidel, Andy? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, well, that... Fatal and dreidel. I'm going to start using that sound that's my new name. Mitch Dreidel. Mitch Dreidel. I like it. <laughs> Mitch Dreidel. We'll be back with Mitch Dreidel right after this Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Pop pop. What do they? So, what, what's your son call you? Pop. Your grandson pop pop. He calls you. Bop bop. Bop bop. I think she's trying to say papa, but she says bop bop. Uh, our live feed dropped. Yes. So are we not? What are we doing? Recording the show. Oh, so we're not. We don't have a live feed now. Nope. Jews. They did it. See, you let two Jews in the Jews. building. You see what happened. Yeah. So we're gonna record it. That's remote. Well, I mean, we always record we do it's true um what were we just talking about we we're just talking about something off the air and i want stormy to... daniels yeah stormy daniels that's right so so what what was your question about my that question thing? to you just was that you hear it every day uh, i and again i'm same as you i really could care less about him either way right. he's our president and i respect him and yep. for and, and quite honestly i always tell people and i told mike this in the car and i mean that i don't think he got elected i just think hillary was so bad that's, that's what a lot of people think. think. Yeah, I, think I just think that true. I just think that anyone else but Hillary would have gotten elected. She was just so hated, and uh, well, it's like most of our presidents are elected because they're Mister Smiley. Yeah, and she was like you know the exact <laughs> miserable, opposite, miserable true. human being. Yeah. And I was just so thankful just that I didn't have to see that face every day, that miserable face of hers. Who was so, the genius that gave her the line "basket of deplorables"? Yeah, which killed what? her. Stupid, stupid thing to say. That was a bad idea. And really just showed what was in her heart. And I think that that was a big deciding fact. She was just a horrible, horrible candidate. And so what I was saying to you, so now, so we're stuck with Trump now, and that's, and that's, and, and, 
And and now the constant drumbeat of well, the Stormy Daniels stuff, and I say to you, what's the end game for this? What what is all this being put yeah, see, into? I don't understand that either. What yeah. the end game is with Stormy Daniels? Because I would I would hazard a guess at least ninety percent of our presidents had affairs. Well, of course they did. I mean, Absolutely. To get they, to that point, you're usually that kind of person. I'm thinking mm-hmm. the only two who didn't were probably George W. Bush and Jimmy Carter. <laughs> that was probably I think you're probably it. right. Actually, I think they had an affair with each other. Yeah, they might have had that's an affair with each other. Yeah, hey, that's the they internet's were, back. What they were hiding. Oh, good. That's good to know. But um, anyway, so I, that, but that's what I don't understand in my naivete. Are they just trying to destroy him because they hate him, or does this have probably, some sort of yeah. end game for, for them? See, here's the other and thing. And then you get Pence next, so, what's the, yeah. so where's the win? There's no win there because he's a lot more religious yeah. than Donald Trump is. So wouldn't you rather have Trump than a Pence? I think I, I would. I would have to agree with yeah. you. I would rather have a Trump than a Pence. Because, again, I have nothing against Christianity. You know, the Christianity's taking a beating right now. Unless you use your religion to harm other people, I got no problem with your religion. And Christianity has never done that. Oh, no, it's never (laughs) happened. You know, like every other religion of all time, it's just, it's, I I, I just don't get it. But I mean, when you compare, well, first of all, what I've learned is that unless you agree with 100% of what I think, I hate you. What? Yeah. Thank you. When did that happen? A hundred percent. I have to agree yeah. with everything you think. Otherwise, you hate me. Tom, I got to tell you, it's the same. It's, it's gotten to the point now where uh, I put out one tweet, and if, and if one group of people don't like my tweet, they suddenly start going, stick to your dick jokes, funny boy. Like, I mean, just, they're so hateful. <laughs> I, I know. And it's your daughter that writes that to me, too. Well, it was, it was yeah. Alex. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Alex. Oh, she left nice. early. <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 they people get very personally offended now if you don't agree with everything they everything. do. Everything, everything they sad. Say. It's really, really sad. I, you know, and people really get mad at me because I'm a centrist. Yeah, me why, too. Why, why can't you take a stand? Yeah, like, people don't like people who don't explicitly agree with them. You can't just not disagree. You yeah. have to agree. So I'm not. You know, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a liberal, I'm not a conservative, I'm just kind of in the middle going... Yeah, on the well, issues, whatever you feel for that thing. Yeah. yeah, that you feel, yeah it depends on what the issue is. Yeah. Right. Uh, once again, I think to me, uh, issues like race and gender and orientation and all those things, if you are going out of your way to laud people for, for any of those three things... Or to, to, to offer them, I don't know, to kind of coddle them. Yeah. That, to me, is racist. I agree. If you're being noticed for right. something other than who you are as a person. I agree. George Bush coined the term bigotry of low expectations. The bigotry of low expectations. Because it's like, oh, well, black yeah. people obviously can't get into college unless we, you know, Take lower, care of them. lower the scores. So oh, I see what you're saying. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, the bigotry of low expectations. Well, yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about. And yeah, I don't know why. He never said anything it, it's just the anger intelligible that, again. It's it just did. the anger that comes out if you don't agree with people. And that's what I've seen is it's, it's, it's insane anger. Do you know when I got in a lot of trouble and I was like, wow, it's really getting in a hand my first sign? We all get those signs. Yeah. So uh, maybe about 10 years ago, I um, got my teeth whitened and I was at a hotel and I looked in the mirror and I just thought of the, a funny, cute little tweet off the top of my head, and I just wrote, next time, instead of getting my teeth whitened, I'm just going to get extra tan. I just wrote that tweet. I thought it was a funny little tweet. It's a tan. No, but here's what's interesting. I didn't realize it at the time, but people started writing to me saying, well, I guess you're stealing from Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg apparently had said one of those jokes somewhere in his act, somewhere. Uh, oh, he did? Well, how? But I wouldn't have known know that. that. So, I, of course, I've never been known for stealing. I've never stolen no. a joke in my life. No. And I was all, and, and so I automatically made a joke like, oh, I had no idea. I would ne- I've never stolen anything. Okay, I guess he wrote. A, it was a simple little joke that anybody could think of, I yeah, thought. Yeah, it's not like honestly. the biggest head scratcher, you know. It's, a, it's someone's going to arrive at that joke sooner or later. Mm, right. So, then to be funny, I took a Richard Pryor bit. And I said, well, and I took a Richard Pryor bit where he used the end word like five times right. a, a Richard Pryor bit and I put that as my tweet and I was like but anyway this is how I really feel and I put a Richard <laughs> Pryor bit they must have loved that thinking that people would get the irony no, that, like oh my no, god no. I'm saying I'm not no, selling no. and all of a sudden Hell people no. start going you're racist you're racist and no. I started oh, going yeah. I'm not going to answer this because these people are so stupid yeah, you, and all you, of a sudden you I can't like, engage and I said if I don't answer it I'm going to now get a reputation as being someone who no you're better puts, off not answering it's yeah. ridiculous no I had to I had to say like listen this is a Richard 
Richard Pryor bit, I was being ironic because you thought I took a Hedberg bit. And then I was like, well, nothing's funny anymore. It is unbelievable. Mm. I will tell you this, that I once uh, interviewed Mitch Hedberg a couple of years before he died. Yeah. And uh, he was on the phone. And I interviewed him. And I got done with the interview. And uh, went back. And Tony Lee, who was on the show at that time, said, that wasn't Mitch Hedberg. No. <laughs> like, oh, that's great. Get out. He said, yeah. He sent a friend somebody, of his? Yeah, it was a friend of his that did the interview because he wow. didn't feel like doing it. But I didn't know. How yeah, the hell do I know? Major how would you anxiety. Know? He probably got anxious about yeah, it. Maybe. Yeah, how yeah. would you know? Huge anxiety. Yeah, because, I mean, he was from here. So he might have had yeah. either that or he thought I was a prick. That might have been the other thing. What was his drug? Was he a heroin, he was a heroin oh, addict? He, he, had, he, had, he had gangrene heroin. in his foot. Yeah. He was almost Jesus. Yeah. I, I knew that I knew that Mitch Hedberg was gonna die. Uh we worked with each other. I worked with him six months before he died, actually. Oh, and did. Uh, it had gotten to the point where he couldn't go on stage because people were just yelling out his punchlines before he could get yeah. to them. Now, God. imagine being a comedian oh. and, that, and you're just going, you can't even tell your jokes anymore because yeah, exactly. you become such a rock star. And at the last couple shows he had done, I heard he was telling people to throw pills on the stage. Just throw stuff up on the stage and he would just eat them. Oh, let oh let's not do that. Yeah. yeah. It's a sad. bad plan. Such a sad story because he well, was so talented. Yeah, at was. that point, I'm sure he was like hoping for, you know. Hope one of these is poison. Yeah. yeah. And then he stole my joke about tanning. I <laughs> joke about stole tanning. your tanning joke Stole it right teeth. from me. It was unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, I talked, I think it was his mother. Uh, they were going to do a golf tournament in his honor, and they wondered if I would host uh, the golf tournament, but they never got back to me about it. I don't think they ever had it. Yeah. Because, you know. golf tournament in his honor? Yeah, I mean, Mitch Hedberg in golf. He wasn't really a golfer. No, he wasn't a golfer. Yeah. But I understand he once did his, his entire act standing behind a, a pillar on stage. I heard that, too. Yeah, and he did one lying down. Yeah. He just lay down on his back and did his entire act. Yeah, he had a, he had a lot of anxiety problems. You should see him. When I saw him here, at, he did the state theater when they were doing the double shows. And he oh, was yeah, just yeah. shaking. Was he? Really? Yeah, like crazy, like nervous, crazy shaking. Really? That's terrible. And that's why he had those light radiant yeah. sunglasses and the hair down. He yeah. didn't want to see the people. And he didn't want How many times people. can you do that before you want to kill yourself? Because you just you can't deal with the stress constantly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Can you imagine? You were gifted. You what? I couldn't do it. No, I mean, you realize you were given a gift, and yeah. you're, if you don't do it, you're wasting it, but it scares you to death to do it. That's a, that's, that's, a, tough, yeah. that's a tough position to be in. There's some, there's some famous singers that have really bad stage oh, yeah. fright, and they oh, just, yeah. it's like, and they're great singers, and it's just, it's very, you know, and it's weird. We all have our stuff. Do you ever, do you ever get uh, anxiety about being on the, on the air, or is it Not always? Not on the air, no, but yeah. other things. Yeah. Because because yeah. because if someone you know when I got terrible anxiety, uh, I was in Vegas and Rodney Dangerfield was playing next door, and someone oh, had told yeah. him that I that I was a great new young comedian, and Rodney came to my oh, show. God. Oh yeah, my that would make god! I tanked. I tanked. I was so nervous. <laughs> really? I tanked. I was horrible. Did you go out and say, "Hey, when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> <laughs> steal his act. Oh, <laughs> oh, just go out. Of, just yeah. go out on stage and do Rodney. That hey, throw me some of, pills. I want to yeah, eat some pills." I would <laughs> Call me when you have no class. Hey, I just got my teeth whitened. <laughs> I just got my teeth whitened. I should have just gotten a tan. Yeah, that would have been great. You, just, you should have done his act. That would have been hilarious. I think now would've I would have, but I was a young comedian, yeah, and I was scared. Yeah. I mean, this is oh, a big yeah. icon, Rodney Dangerfield, and came to see me. Mm. I was way too young and had a terrible... Childhood, I never would have had the self-esteem. <laughs> well, not a lot of people do well when they're like being evaluated like that. Yeah, I suppose because then yeah. even like even like uh, you know professional sports players when they start thinking about it rather than just like you know letting the muscle memory do it. Yes, absolutely. That's when You're they right. start missing. Mm. Well, Tom, good. Qu- I got a good question for you. I, you. You've become so established now. You don't never. You don't have to worry about ratings. But in the very beginning, I would assume yeah. you would know. If I don't get back to number one this year, or I don't, you know what I'm saying? That yeah, be, no, I understand what you're saying. And were you able to perform and put that out of your head? Yeah, because I don't do any show prep or anything like that. It's all ad-libbed. Yeah. So, therefore, there's nothing for me to be nervous about because I didn't plan to do anything. So, in other words, it's not like doing jokes where you write jokes and then you have to perform them. Right, but still. That would be a bitch. But still, yeah. you never had the stress. I have a whole family now, and and the book is coming out. And if oh, I, absolutely, and, you, you know, did. yeah, yeah. I mean, to tell you the I truth, can tell you. <laughs> they, listen, let, let me tell you. you. <laughs> let me tell you. He's like, I'll tell you the stress yeah. meter. I I would say this that I have been stressed out my whole life since I was a little wow. boy. 
Huh. I, I yeah. am always stressed out. Always. Yeah. Because, you know, the ratings come out weekly now. Right. And even though, you know, things are great and everything's wonderful and all the rest of it, somebody compared it to being a hockey goalie. They said it's like when you make a mistake, a light flashes and sirens go off. <laughs> you know, it's like, great. Yeah. That's and everybody oh stares at you. And everybody wow. stares at you. Disappointed. Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that actually does happen in some radio stations if you uh, – don't talk for long enough. Oh, yeah. Sirens will go Sirens off. Sirens will go off. Yeah, it's yeah. true. So the no. dead air, uh, the dead air alarm. So it, it's, yeah. But it was never on your mind while you were. See, that's what I'm saying. It's like I knew Rodney was in the audience, and that was on my. I couldn't get rid of that no, thought. I understand that. And that tightened me up as a performer. My whole thing, because uh, you wouldn't know this. Maybe you and I have talked about it in the past. But when I was seven years old, my father told me he never liked. No, I didn't know that. And therefore... How did you not know that? How did I not know that he didn't like You've me? You've read Tom's book, right? Yeah, I, I did read your book. But go on. Yeah, I should write a you book. You were seven. Yeah, Who likes their seven-year-old? Yeah, that's true. That's like, I have a seven-year-old right now. Trust me. He point. knows I don't like him. So basically for me, uh, I always think I, I never measure up. Right. Yet, some people think I'm arrogant as hell, and it's not arrogance. It's protection. Protection. I get it. I protect myself, so I may come off as arrogant to some people, but I'm not arrogant. I'm just trying to protect myself from assholes. Man, we're all nuts. We're we all are nuts. all nuts. It There's really no question is true. about that. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. So it's a protection thing more than anything else. And people, the weirdest thing about being on the radio and maybe on stage too, is that people literally think you're talking directly to them. Absolutely. That's terrifying. Yep, absolutely. I heard what you said about me. I'm like, what? I've had people that that I'll say, and it's probably even weirder in radio because you have such a bigger audience, but I've had people where I would do a joke in the beginning and I'd say something like, well, this guy, of course, is gay or something, and then they'd want to kill me. And I'd say, like, I don't even know you. I'm making... An I obvious know. joke, and you're taking they, and they think that you're just coming up with it for the first time. Yeah, so I get that. It's just it's like you noticed a gay person in the audience and went, "Look, everybody, yes, just let me point dream. him up." I, I we had a woman, as a matter of fact, when the show at one time the show had like a 29 share. It was the highest Jesus. ratings in America. I'd be stressed out. And there was a woman that was absolutely convinced that she scripted the show Oof. and that she would send me the scripts and I would bring them in and pass them out to everybody. And we would follow her script, and she got really mad at me because I never paid her. Like, when are you going to pay me for, for my writing? And I'm like, what? Wow. What you, it's yeah. like a yeah. post-hoc delusion, yeah. And that person could get to you, too. That's oh, a scary yeah. thing. They oh, know I mean, where you are. Yeah. I always think that if I would, when, I would, when I'd be on the road and I would sleep with a woman, that I would find out later I had a boyfriend or a husband, and they can Ooh, go on my yeah. site and find out where I'm going to be. I know. It's a weird feeling. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. <laughs> Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020. To RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper and neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, 
Happy life. DMR Clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. Hey, and I tried to get home before 11, because that's when my father had me be home by 11. My father was one of them 11 o'clock niggas. Say, say, where you going, Richard? Say, huh? Well, nigga, you ain't asked nobody could you go no place. What the fuck, you a man now, nigga? <laughs> get a job, that's my job. I don't give a fuck where you go be, be home by 11. <laughs> you understand 11, don't you, nigga? You can tell time, can't you? <laughs> What's that clock say in the kitchen, nigga? The clock, motherfucker, what the clock say? <laughs> 11 o'clock, bring your ass here. I don't mean down the street singing with them niggas either. I ain't getting your ass out of jail no more, motherfucker. God, I, he was... Good old Richard Pryor. He was unbelievably talented. Just fun. And then, I, uh, then it, it was kind of sad because at one point he went to Africa and then he said, I, I'm not going to use the big N anymore. Uh... And it changed. Remember that when he came back from he went to Africa and he came back and he decided he was not going to use the big N anymore. But then didn't he go back to using and it? And he did go back to using yeah. it because it because it was just who he was. It was such a part of his character Absolutely. and who he was and how Absolutely. he and how he. Well, and you need money to talk to people. The yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to pay his rent I, and get his crack. I am mad. <laughs> and that. I, I am mad at Richard Pryor, and I always will be for the rest of my life because I I adored Richard Pryor. Yeah. I just thought he was the greatest of all time. But I, as a white man in America, cannot say the names of his first two albums. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, can't you say can't. the names of the albums. Hey, have you ever heard the album? The, uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> like, oh. my second album, which is still a bestseller on uh, iTunes, if I may add. See, if I may add that. <laughs> it's called Super Retardo. I made it 13 years ago, and the, it was based on a real-life thing where someone had once said to a cult club owner... I really think it's cool that you hire a retarded person to work here <laughs> about me. So I thought that was so funny that I was like, well, if I was retarded, I'd be super retarded. So I made, so it was a joke about myself called, called Super Retardo. And what I right. said to the person making the album cover was this character can't be in any way offensive. He has to be proud. I don't want mm -hmm. it to be like someone who's drooling all over himself right, like an idiot. Right. I wanted it to be empowering. And and the CD sold great. It was It's still one of my best-selling CDs. I can't announce it at shows anymore oh, because no, no, of the no. word. And I'm like, oh, but, my God, I can't. But actually, to retard spoilage was not... I mean, no, yeah, and that's hard. Just But it was just the word all of a sudden is so bad... It's got such a nasty connotation to I, it. That, I just think that's a big mistake. Well, I agree. Taking words like that, you know, and not to do like when when you're running around calling, you know, it's people intent, right. and hey retard, yeah, stuff hey, like retard. that, yeah. But yeah, my, I mean, don't do that. And it's and so it's but it's it's weird, and that's another one of the things that like well, time's gone by now, and back then that was more acceptable and funny yeah, for what the bit yeah. was, and the bit was based on an empowering thing that it really was an episode that happened to me, and that bothers me now that people now immediately will look at the title and be like, well, that's whatever they say it is, all well, the isms. And knows? now it's not special needs any longer either. It just keeps changing. It, is, it and keeps it's changing, and I don't know what what is it now. Does anybody know? I don't pay attention Cause anymore. Because from what I understand, I think it's you're called not Rosie O'Donnell now. Yeah, Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah. They call you Rosie O'Donnell. I just can't deal. care anymore. Yeah. Well, and that's where we're going to. That's 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 a point to which we're going to get. That's where Generation Z is. They don't care. They don't. They care. don't care. You're no, right. you're right. Yep. And 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 they have to be that way. We've forced them to not care. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, everything is such a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. I talk about this, you know, quite you're often. Right. When I grew up, uh, in my era. You know, I was a, I was very, very young at the beginning of the '60s, and in the mid '60s, I was a very young teenager. Right. Like I was, I had just turned 12 years old when JFK was assassinated. Okay. And I do remember how hateful the '60s were. Oh yeah. But people don't remember that part. They remember, oh, the Beatles broke, and remember that oh, and the love, summer and, of love. Yeah, summer yeah. Of love. Yeah. Well, that all came about because everybody hated one another. Yeah. I mean. Uh. So I'm hoping there is a summer I was going to say, that's coming. a sign of hope, actually. Yeah, that I story. Hope. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It is, because that, that's where we got. 
Now, I did find oh, out. Oh, man, pot's going to be good when it gets legal. That's all I'm <laughs> telling you, man. Although I keep hearing that every, every club I go to, and, you know, I don't know if Mike's had the similar experience, but every club I go to say that hiring the, the kids today is just miserable because they don't want to work. They, no, they, they right. literally go like, well, I don't, why do I have to do that? But, I, but like at that. the same time, I, some of them show up and are great. Yeah, so no, there's are, always some stars. Some are great. And think about every generation. There's so many lazy people. <laughs> yeah, laziness is yeah, always I like to complain about kids today and complain about workers, but there's plenty that sh- the, the ones tonight, they're going to show up. Right, guys? John and... <laughs> John and All Doug. the guys. Well, I, to tell you the truth, I, I talk about this once, and I joke about it a lot, uh, but my, the four, it's a four-beat for me. It's This is your job. Number two is do your job. Number three is do your goddamn job. And number four is remember when you used to work here. Yeah. Now, not that I would fire anybody right. because, I, I'm again, I'm a private contractor. But if you will not do your job, Amen. you got to go. You got to go. Mm-hmm. I just can't. I can't work with people who won't do their job. Yeah. And I'm, then they think they're victims because they, oh, they yeah. were fired. That's oh, the yeah. worst part about it. And it's a sad thing that we're sending out to them that. Because we're taking away the idea that they don't understand they can change their own destiny by really working hard at something, that they can get yeah. everything they want. And that's yeah, I mean, what I think is important. That is the whole deal. It's just that it, I think it's, it's such a when, – when things came so easy for a while there, people took that for granted. It's like, well, this yeah. is all – I mean, this is easy. It's, yeah. America after World War II caused a real problem because it was the only country – you know, Canada, obviously – it was the only country that wasn't destroyed by World War II. Yeah. So we took a, that's why all the manufacturing was done in the United States. Right. But it also was like the place to live. Uh, you know, slavery had ended all those years later, but still the, you know, it was 1965 before the Civil Rights Act was passed. So yeah. after World War II, a lot of people's civil rights were still being violated. Right. And people tend to forget that whole thing. But it... Um, the world was a hey, look. I'm just telling you. When you look back all the way to World War One, the war to end all wars, so many mer- mistakes were made by your Euro- by Europe. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean France and England particularly. Right. Because Lawrence of Arabia. Here's what we'll do. We'll cut uh, Arabian nations up into little sections. And, oh, you live on the wrong side of the line now, so you don't live in the country in which you grew up in. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, and that caused that ripples that are still, still happening there. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, after the war ended, the French decided it was a great idea to put their foot on the Germans' neck. And, you know, they were already destroyed, so all it did was piss off the Germans even more. Yeah. Uh, it's like, don't poke the bear. France hasn't been making a lot of good decisions lately. <laughs> yeah, they really have They're not. not really. I don't know what the hell that's yeah, all about. Yeah, there's not a lot good going on over there uh, anymore. So I, what I'm hoping is, is after all this stuff that, that Generation Z is it now, mm-hmm. Andy? That's the generation yeah. that's like currently in their teens. In their teens. Oh, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think Fawn's generation even has an I got a great no. Generation Z story. So we got adopted. She was 11 at the time during uh-huh. the election with Trump and um, Clinton. And we said, who are you going to vote for? Who would you vote for? And she goes, I don't care. As long as Olive Garden's still going to have breadsticks. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know, uh-huh. I got to tell care. you, that's not, a bad, that's not a bad platform. No, it's not yeah, a bad platform. No, their breadsticks are pretty they, damn good. <laughs> when I was a kid, was. when w, uh, HW was running, I was like in kindergarten. I said I would vote for Bush because I thought his name was funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's George so, Bush. Because it's, it's, it's a Bush. So he's a Bush. Yeah. So if you were a kid now, would you have voted Hillary or Trump? You think if you were a kid, Trump. Funnier name. Trump is like you know. Oh, funnier name. It's, it's a word. It's a funnier name. Funny yeah. hair. Yeah, he's exactly. Got the, he's got the funny hair. Yeah, funny hair. I'd rather him read me a bedtime story than Hillary, because I think Hillary would stab me at the end of it. <laughs> Just quite honestly, I, I think, and I'm almost certain about this. Uh, since I turned 21, and the day I turned 21, Richard Nixon got elected president. The, since then, I believe I have voted for one president that's gotten elected. Really? Mm. Seriously. <laughs> that's, I was like, and I bounced back and forth. That's almost a good sign, though, because it means you're always like... On a, <laughs> I, I guess, you're yeah. always You're always going against the green. That's what I'm saying. So I, now, wait, did I you guess. vote Mondale in 84? 
Were you the one? Uh, you yes. know he did. Well, you <laughs> voted for yeah. Mondale and Reagan? Oh, no. Minnesota. We were the only state. state. And only D.C. Oh, D.C. Right. and Minnesota. <laughs> yes, Kathy and I both voted for Mondale. I don't, even think Mon- I don't even think Mondale voted for yeah. Mondale. Greatest part of that is Walter Mondale hates my guts, too. <laughs> Walter <laughs> Mondale's hate everyone's guts. Well, that's true. I remember uh, as a kid, Ted Mondale calling up my dad to chew him out. That electoral map, it's just all red. That's unbelievable. In Minnesota. Yeah, well, it's but unbelievable. I've, I've well, mentioned this before, but oh, yeah. that wasn't even the biggest presidential landslide ever. <laughs> it was not. FDR that, versus Alf Landon, oh, who you've never heard of. Can't Alf, beat FDR. We've heard of Alf Landon. 523 Alf versus 8. Oh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, so just no. a reminder, though, uh, we got to go, but uh, Mitch will be at Royal Comedy all weekend. Please don't bring knives or any weapons to stab him. Why would anyone stab me? I'm lovable. You mentioned like five times. After the bedtime story. Yeah, the bedtime story. You're a very lovable guy. Mitch is about as lovable as And you mentioned you'd like your wife to be dressed up. And And I got a whole new act. For all my Minnesota fans that have always come see me, it's a brand new new act about my dirty wife. If you've heard them on the radio, which they all have. They all have. All new acts. All new jokes. So, never recorded. All new acts. All new acts. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's changed a lot since I've been here. So. Like dirty in what way? I mean, don't give away I, your oh, act. No, do I will, not, I will not say dirty. Well, the, the one thing I'm proud of, there's absolutely no cursing in my act. But it's about the fact that my right. wife, and this is kind of out there, but before we, I wonder if it's going to change, Randy, but my wife's very into free love. She likes swinging. So she's a swinger, my wife. Your wife's a swinger. Yeah. And you knew that when you married her. Yeah, it's kind of why I married her. So you swing too. We have. Well, you have. And how'd that go? Pretty good. <laughs> oh, God. I wish you could have seen the face he just it's made. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. People don't realize how much fun you can have. It's not That's as swingy. long as you, but we're not the kind of people that just go into a crazy party and just start having sex with a bunch of people. We have right. like discerning couples we hang out with. Discerning? That we get to do fun things with. Because they do that new commercial for Sling, which is a TV channel. Right. And the guy. Uh, you want to sl- you want you want sling, and the guy thinks he's at. They're asking if you want to swing. Oh, okay. And so he starts unbuttoning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, that would be us it's unbuttoning pretty, our shirts. You would be unbuttoning your shirts. So, but so my act is a little bit about not about that, but it's about the fact that my wife is just a lot more open with her body and who she is, and she's just very into female really? empowerment. My wife's very into female empowerment. Right. Very into the fa- my wife. The maddest she ever gets at me was that when I was on the road and I would have sex with groupies. Said, I was never mad at you for having sex with groupies. I was mad at you that you would make it into more than it was. That you would tell them that they were your girlfriend now. Oh, yeah, Because she yeah, has this yeah. thing that girls are allowed to be whores. Girls are allowed to say, like, I want to just do something like crazy. guys can be whores, yeah. girls, can, girls be. can be whores. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so my wife, that's her big, her big uh, feminist movement. So you don't think eventually that's going to cause problems? We've been together eight years, and we're happier than ever. I think having the kid has made me think differently about, you know, I mean, because now. Her? Does she think differently now? I think we listen. I mean, she just had the baby, so this is yeah, brand new. True. It's seven that months, so I think months. that going forward now is going to be an interesting, you know. And I think that any network would love a good reality show to find out what happens now. I love that. That's what I'm idea. saying, what happens now to the couple that used to swing? Did you just talk, have you talked to anybody about that? I'm going to talk to him right after I get off the show with you right now. <laughs> I like I'm that. Call somebody with that idea. Actually, there was a production company that wanted us to do a reality show based on this show. Yeah. And. The guy, the family Bernard, the guy who ran yeah. the the TV production company, found out lived in Santa Monica and it would take a helicopter to work every day in Hollywood. <laughs> I said that company would be broken in about ten minutes. Ten minutes, yeah. And they were. Yeah, those are the people that hired Howard Stern for fifty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. God, I still can't believe that happened. That's yeah. where we got the uh, camera. We got it for cheap because, well, not cheap, but you know, relatively cheap. Because we uh, bought it for that show. For that show. And then yeah. that never happened. So we were like, well, you can keep it. And we were like, okay. All right. Well, yeah. It works. Awesome. Yeah, I, don't know. It was weird. I don't know if it would have worked out all that great anyway. Because I think you have to be way over the top and really goofy. We played the very first promo that uh, uh, John and Kate Plus 8 put out yeah, on the network. Yeah, yeah, It is so horrendous. It's horrible. It's like. Yes, we will be there to talk to you about what it is like to have children. I mean, it it was terrible. <laughs> Andy, you might be able to find it because it's on the Newswire today. He, she's okay. He is horrendous. Is he horrible? I mean, it's, seriously, it's, I just want you to know I love my wife, Kate, uh. and we have children now. Like, <laughs> oh, God, you got to work on your delivery ballots. Yeah. Kate delivery. plus date. 
Kate plus eight. No. John and Kate. John there's and a Kate new show eight. called Kate plus date. Because I think oh, they got is? a divorce. Yeah, they, oh, yeah, they did get a divorce. Oh, they got man. divorced a long Kate time plus ago. Date reality Wasn't he doing show. like some kind of. He was endorsing shirts or something. Or you ever watch any of these reality shows? No. No, nor have I. No, I, I saw. You know, once I was about to get a, a reality show from A and E. We were just about to get one, so we, me and my wife, wanted to watch some other reality shows to see how they do them. So we watched a couple episodes of Kardashians, and oh, it was like God. literally like our brains were turning into applesauce. I can't ever. believe people can actually put that on. I saw one promo for for uh, the Christmas Kardashians, yeah. and the, the Rob is that the brother? Yeah, yeah, Rob. He says they're unwrapping gifts, and he goes, "Well, Kim." Why don't you unwrap your gift? Let's face it, you're the richest person here. Like, oh, uh, God. I'm going to put that in my new sitcom. Yeah, <laughs> put that in your sitcom. We're talking about our future president there. You got to go, Pally. Yeah, I got to go. Oh, man, it was I great having you that. in all Thanks. this. It was wonderful having you in Thanks all this. Thanks for having time. me in. I, I mean, I Absolutely. love coming on, so. And Mike, I mean, you know, just a, it's yeah, just a bonus, you, you know. We'll I'm be back. Golf. Special guest up next. Not only special guest leaving, but our special guest up next. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard. Thanks, guys. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you know how important it is to have the right dock. That's why you should know about flow docks. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. They're completely modular so you can configure them to your family's needs or add on as your family's needs grow. And get this, you can install level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make, right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy. My friends at Flow also told me that hockey star Ryan Suter bought a flow dock and lift as he wanted the best for his family. See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. See them at F-L-O-E-I-N-T-L dot com. Flow docks and lifts. A better way. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, North Light Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the Donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget, we're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. his birthday today. Did you find out if he's 58 or 59? No, you're right. 58. He's 58. Okay. And it was Billy Joel's birthday yesterday, and he was how old? 66? 69. 69? And uh, it's Eric Burden's birthday tomorrow. I love Eric Burden. How old is he? 70-something? 74, 75? Gotta be. Eric Burden. I've met Eric about 20 times, and every time I meet him, it's brand new for him. (laughs) I think Eric didn't always behave. I love the guy, too. I just love him. There's no doubt about it. Ladies and gentlemen, crash test girl, an unlikely experiment in using the scientific method to answer life's toughest questions, Carrie Byron. How are you doing, Carrie? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Marvelously. Now I want to find out, first of all, what life's toughest questions are. Well, I think we all have our own toughest questions, but for me, oh, it's turning off alarms. Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's a little alarm going off. You know, not a problem. <laughs> There you go. Um, I, 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 uh, <clears throat> so I find the toughest questions for me have always been answering to depression or trying to get the perfect job or just some everyday things. Um, 
what your toughest questions are, maybe I can help you. (laughs) My toughest questions in life are, why are people so angry now? God, everybody hates everybody else. Why are they so angry? That's a very tough question for me. I'm very serious. I haven't noticed that. I feel like it's, it sounds like an old person answer, but I I feel like we spend too much time on social media. You do? Yeah, I think I do. I think it makes me angry. I get happier when I actually talk to real people. See, I think that's exactly the answer, because I don't go on social media at all. And every time somebody sends me something, people do send me, you know, if, if somebody brings me up on social media, people like to, to text it over to me. My God, people are angry. People are so angry. I know. I try not to participate in that. I get all sorts of weird trolls and stuff, and I just don't, I don't really respond. I've got a really thick skin after, you know, two decades on television as a woman. Yeah. I can pretty much take anything and just laugh at it. Well, that, see, that's wonderful that you can you just take anything and just laugh at it because it is all ridiculous, to tell you the truth. I mean, all of this stuff. I think, to tell you the truth, Gary, that if, that if everybody didn't insist that you agree with 100% of what they believe, things would be a lot better because nobody is going to agree with 100% of what you think. It's just not going to happen. Let's just be nice. I'm with you. It's true. Being nice is good. Carrie Byron's story hasn't been a straight line. She started out as a broke artist living in San Francisco, writing poems on a crowded bus on the way to one of her three jobs. Oh, now you sound like me. I got three jobs. Uh, many Kerbal. I, I always have three jobs. Yeah, you know what? There are certain people like you and me who we always will have three jobs at least, or maybe more than that. I don't know. You just you get. I, look, I, I do. You get tired. There's no doubt about it. But there's always something going on, which is kind of interesting, right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not the type that likes to get bored. I, I feel like there's always something stimulating I could be doing. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Now, how did you get involved with Mythbusters? Um, this is one of the tough life questions that I was talking about there in the book. Go. I was trying to find my dream job, which was tough because I, I was a sculptor, and I was trying to figure out a way that I could actually turn that into a career. And I live in the Bay Area, so we're talking like ILM is just up the road. There's Pixar. There's all these really crazy, cool places. So I thought special effects would be so wonderful. So I went to get a job with Jamie Heineman. He had this shop called M5 Industries, and they did toy prototyping and special effects, like, you know, carving all sorts of, of props for the movie. And I took a portfolio into him that he looked at with such disinterest. But I told him I would work for free. <laughs> well, there and you go. He said, "Come back tomorrow." And I just, I just kept coming back, inserting myself in a way that was useful. Like, I, if anybody needed a water, I was there with a water. Sunscreen, I was there with a sunscreen. You needed something picked up or the trash taken out, I was there. So I, I was, I was just an extremely helpful intern, and I stayed until he decided to hire me as an actual toy prototyper. And it just happened that my first day. As an intern, it was also the first day Mythbusters started filming. So I helped out in the background. You know, I, I, I helped out with all the myths and the setup and the cleanup. And it was about three episodes in before I got pushed in front of a camera and asked to be a background builder. Oh, okay. And then a couple episodes later, they're like, yeah, could you start talking to the camera? It would make the episodes get filmed faster. And I just remember the shock in my, my shy soul thinking, oh, my God, what? No, I understand that completely. It's it, it just, uh, you're, by the way, I don't know who did your bio for for your book, but they did a really good job because there's a lot of interesting things in it. Did you do it? Uh, I'm Well, I, my bio I've been writing over and over in many ways, but I'm sure my editor told me <laughs> what not to put in and what to put in. Well, it's interesting. As, as Carrie came to learn in her own life, not only is the scientific method the best approach for busting myths, it's also the perfect tool for solving everyday issues, including career, love, creativity, setbacks, money, sexuality, depression, and bravery. Well, the scientific method is definitely my life methodology, and it's just easier to organize using it. But what it really is is a tool of critical thinking. It's it's taking a piece of your life, doing your lifelong experiment or crash test as I do it, and then kind of sitting back and actually analyzing how you learn from your experiences. Right. And do, do, people, do people do that? Because that's always kind of been the, the rule. But do people do that any longer? I hope so. <laughs> I think everybody takes a little science and applies it to their life if they really want to progress. I hope so. I hope that's true. Now, as far as 
you you know the, the scientific method for career I understand for love how does that how does that enter to love well I mean I think that dating is one big giant experiment well that's you true you really are yeah, just that's true you know you're increasing your sample size some more than others and it's everything from biology to chemistry you know you, you do an experiment, you go out on a date, you figure out if this person's right for you, and, and if they are, you can learn from those results. Um, if they're horrible as well, you learn what you do and do not yeah. want. Well, I think that's exactly what it's like. Ah, you know, this person's probably be great, but it just, it just like I said, it didn't click or, you know, and that's, a, that's definitely part of science. There's no doubt about it. Something's just off, and therefore it's not going to work. Um, I mean, finding love seems to have become such an algorithm where you're, you're yeah. looking at your phone and you're trying to figure it out. I mean, when I met my husband, we didn't have that. So for me, it came all down to like more animal instinct, like something about the way he smelled just triggered my head. That's really funny because that's I think that's a huge part of it that people don't understand. So it's interesting that you do understand that. But it does. I mean, I, I, I will give it to the science, the computer science of it. It does help you weed out people who probably from the get wouldn't be interesting so it's definitely a filtering process but i don't think it can help you with your end result personally now have you gone through depression in your life i mean you've talked you talk about depression in the book oh absolutely um from the time i was 12 i started finding myself in some some dark places but i've really? always been known as you know a, a cheery smiley girl but right, I, right i definitely i've always hit it i've, I've you know because back back when i was a kid you, you it was Oh, she's probably on her period or hormones or, you know, like everybody <laughs> well, always nice. has some sort of excuse or you come up with like, you know, maybe it's because I'm not popular enough or I don't have the right clothes. And as you get older, it, it's <clears throat> funny how it's, you still try to blame it on other things. But I, I do go through bouts of depression and I find that I have to treat it like a life experiment. Um, and I figure, if, you know, I met a bunch of girls um, while I've been uh touring for STEM and, and being an advocate for STEM. And there's a lot of girls I've talked to who suffer from depression, but they're really afraid to admit it or face it. So I figured I would put mine out there so that maybe it'll make their journey a little bit easier to see someone that they saw on television and maybe grew up with right. has exactly the same problem. Well, do you, do you think a lot of depression uh, is caused by the fact that people don't turn out to be what what you kind of thought they would be. And I'm talking about pretty much humanity because there's a huge uh, portion of humanity. They would do anything to gain for themselves. They would do harm to you. Let's just use money as an example. People will do anything for money, and I find that very depressing. I mean, I, I think that that's sad and stressful, but I think depression is something a little more. For me, it feels yeah. like... Uh, a chemistry issue. Oh, I personally, okay. am, yeah. I get it hormonally triggered. So for me, when I realized what I had was depression and not just a, you know, a bunch of the blues and maybe I you know, right. or sadness was when I was working on Mythbusters, I was dating a man I loved. I had a great apartment. There was absolutely nothing wrong with my life. I had an amazing life, but I still just felt this crippling and just sadness that I, I couldn't leave the house. And it, it was it was horrible. And I thought, okay, well, if everything is going right and I still feel this, maybe I shouldn't blame it on anything. And maybe I should go talk to someone and make sure that this is um, mm -hmm. something that I should take care of. So, I mean, I've, I have tried. Um, I did try some of the antidepressants, and they didn't work for me. They made, made me feel crazy. Right. So for me, I've, I've got like a, a program I do of just getting super healthy and eating really good foods and exercising so so much until I can create some endorphins and getting good sleep. And I, I try all of the, the natural methods I possibly can, which works for me. That would not necessarily work for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Some people definitely need to actually go get some sort of medication. But I, I think it's important to recognize the difference between just being sad and something that you might have to actually deal with. Yeah, I, I, and I suppose if it is, I don't know if it's genetic, but it is definitely chemical. And I, the tough part about that is you know it's going to happen. When you come out of it, you know it's going to happen again, and you just don't know why it's going to happen again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just part of life. It yeah, brings you the ups yeah. and the downs. But uh, it's 
as long as it's something that's recognizable, I think it's a lot easier to manage because it's, it's when it's mysterious and crazy and you're young and you don't understand what's going on, that's when it seems so heavy. For me now, it's almost like, oh, I've got like this awful cold and I'm just going to fix it. Like, yeah, that's good. That's, that's almost how I treat it. But like I said, everybody's individual. All I do is with this book, I just put my stories out in the world. And if, if there's something that can help you, awesome. If not, you can read all of the weird and crazy adventures I've been on. I think it's wonderful. I like this, Carrie Byron, former host of the wildly popular iconic cult classic Mythbuster, shows how to crash test your way through life with no lab <laughs> coat required. Yes, crash test your, your way through life. Great idea. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Absolutely. It's been a great pleasure having you on. You're a hell of an interview. You have a lot of enthusiasm. It's always appreciated when you interview someone and they show no enthusiasm. It's a difficult job, and that certainly is not you. You do a great job. Thank you. I like what I do, and I'm sure you do, too. Indeed. Thank you very much. Bye. Have a great day. Crash Test Girl, the name of the book. Crash Test Girl, an unlikely experiment in using the scientific method to answer life's toughest questions. She was very nice, didn't you think? Mm-hmm. I liked her a lot. She was very, very pleasant. Tra Crash Desk reminds us that science is for everyone as long as you're willing to strap in, put on your safety goggles, hit a few walls, and learn from the results. Using a combination of methodical experimentation and unconventional creativity, you'll come to the most important conclusion of all. In life, sometimes you crash and burn, but you can always crash and learn. Do you think... Now, she was talking about, a, a, you know, a chemical reaction in the body that causes her depression. Do you think that's a, so that's a genetic thing or is it part of it? Well, again, John Paul Sartre said, hell is other people. <laughs> you know? There's a lot of factors that can go into it. Yeah, so, I mean, along with the, let's say you have propensity for a genetic depression, mm -hmm. other things must bring it on it as well, though. People yeah. being a pain in the ass and, you know, very difficult to deal with or, or whatever. I assume that's true. But, I mean, I, I've had bouts of depression where they just, it just came on and I have no idea why I'd be depressed. I should not be depressed at all, but I would be. And, yeah, so I understand that, that you know, that chemical part of it as well, I guess, is the best way to put it. The only problem is that I never know if people's names are Carrie or Kari. It's Carrie, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is Carrie because I watched the show quite a bit. Uh, actually, I really liked her on that show. She was... Uh, well, she's an interesting person. She's got a lot of enthusiasm. We uh, did understand that. I want to thank uh, Mitch Fatel. And I know his name is Mitch Fatel, but I'm not calling him Mitch Fatel. I'm not doing it. So I just go with Fatel. But he gets mad at me, so I go with Mitch Fatel. Is at uh, <laughs> Royal Comedy Theater in Hopkins, 7 o'clock tonight. Oh, wait a minute. It's 8 o'clock tonight, yes. 7 o'clock at 9.30 tomorrow, and 7 and 9.30 on Saturday. If you've never seen him, he's a very, very funny man. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my entire life and my entire career, as a matter of fact. Um, so if you get a chance, get out to Royal Comedy Theater and see Mitch Fatel, because you'll love it. I'm just here to tell you. I'm here to guarantee you, as a matter of fact, you'll love it. So thank you very much for listening today. We appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on The Tom Bernard Show.